Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Hey, so one more thing. Becky left this for me to announce, which I'm super excited about it. So we know that we're going through up, you know, changes and, and growth and experiencing so many good things at the church. So we are starting today a chair campaign. So we've decided to go with chairs versus pews. Um, a lot of you probably have seen that black chair that was sitting here. That's what we're going to go with. And, you know, in amongst that, we're looking at floor options. We're looking at paint. We're looking at entryway. So this is going to kind of catapult us into a building slash chair campaign. But the first step of all of that is chairs, right? You know, we can't do anything without chairs or pews or somewhere do you sit. I know some of these ladies like sitting on the floor. I just can't do it. I get down, can't get back up, right? <laughs> you know, just so we're going we're gonna to purchase chairs. So we want to offer you, we're not in need of needing you to support this, but we want to give you an opportunity to support this, right? So what we're asking, if you are interested in purchasing your own chair, if you're visiting for the first time, do not feel obligated. But if God puts it in your heart, we always want obedience, right? If God leads us to do something, but this gives you a part to a part to play to be personally invested in the life of the church. But every chair is going to cost fifty dollars. So if you say, "Well, there's two of us," that's a hundred dollars. If there's just me, fifty dollars. So just however God leads you, we just want to give you an opportunity to invest in the life of the church. We know that if you invest in the life of the church, it's a little more personal. You see a kid jumping on the chair, all of a sudden now it's a whole different story. Hey, get off that chair! I bought that chair, right? So those chairs are coming. Pretty soon. So we're going to be working through those processes, working through bids. So just be praying for us as we make those decisions, that we would make the best decisions possible for the life of the church and for the future of the church. These are exciting times, guys. So we're just going to continue to navigate and move forward as the Lord leads us. It's an exciting thing, right? I know some of you love pews, but one of the biggest reasons I can fit more people if I put chairs in here. And secondly, we can use it for multiple purpose. I know last year we had a lot of issues trying to really get our uh, anniversary meal and things like that. It would allow us to use this for banquets and all kinds of different things with the facility we got. Yes, sir. I'm purchasing 300. Now, some of you are like, that's a lot of chairs. So we're going to put some in the youth room, um, but it would allow us to put about 280-ish. We're going to look at the different configurations of how we're going to lay out chairs, but some of you are like, Pastor, that's a big church. But we believe God's given us big vision and we want to be ready when people come. Say, oh, well, there's nowhere to sit. No, you know, th these are great problems. I know they've also communicated to me about the parking lot. If the church is full, the parking lot's full and it gets crazy. So we're working through, we're, we're, we're seeing all of these things and we're trying to navigate the best we can as God grows the church. He takes us into this new season and just, uh, it's exciting, you know. So I just want you guys to be a part of it. But that's the heart to be able to purchase 300 and uh We'll see what the Lord does as we continue to journey forward. Amen. So if you're interested in partnering with us, all those details. Did everybody get a bulletin or people, you don't get bulletins very often? Who likes bulletins? Thumbs up. Who doesn't like bulletins? Okay, so that means most of you are getting them. All of our details are on the bulletin. So what we're going to try to do, I know we had a ton of announcements this morning. I really don't like that. Where it's like we're communicating all these things. The bulletin tells you everything you need to know. So we're going to work through shortening the announcements. But if you, if you guys, and it look like you guys are reading your bulletins, we will strive to not communicate as much from the platform. But don't say, oh, I didn't know about the men's trip. Oh, I didn't know about couples of destiny. Oh, I didn't know about the chair campaign. Because if you're reading your bulletin, that's one of the main ways we communicate in our Facebook page, all these different things. Okay, let's get into this message. Everybody ready for the word? So we're launching a new series, you know, called the, the Commission Series. So today we are going to work and look at the church's mission, okay? So the purpose of the church, what the church is for, what the church should be established on. But if the church succeeds, the people succeed. And if the people succeed, then the commission to go to the world will succeed. But if the commission of the church fails, it's going to be very hard for the church to be a launching place of those to go all the nations of the world. So everything works hand in hand. So we're going to, uh, I know last week I kind of gave you a snapshot of what we were going to look like. So the word commission, you know, it's an instruction or a command, a duty given to a person or group of people. Okay. So we know that that group of people 
is us, right? As the church, a specific responsibility. So today we're going to look specifically at the responsibility of the church in, a, in accomplishing God's um, commission, okay? So first we're going to look internally, locally, right? And that's, that's the church. So this is how we're going to break out this, this whole series. Locally, the church's responsibility. Personally, your responsibility. And then practically, what does that actually look like and how can we be about our Father's business? Amen? All of these are super important. Okay? So Jesus' commission was this. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So when we look at that local mission of the church, you know, our church is built around the mission of, of people knowing, growing, and going towards God's specific purpose. That's how our church is built. These are the things that we focus on. Um, this is our mission statement. This is what we are all about. I was laughing with some of our leaders. I said, if by the end of this year, if you guys do not know our mission statement, I might have to make you write sentences. If you don't know it, you're like, oh no, I might have to write sentences. But this is our mission statement, bringing all people into the real relationship with Christ by knowing, growing, and going towards God's given purpose. It's simple. It's to the point. It focuses on everything we are as a church. Okay, so all of our ministries here at Harvest Time Church, they are focused on growing you to maturity in your faith so that you can be successful in the going of sharing the gospel to the world. One thing that we were huge about when we first uh, started leading the church was we feel as pastors, if we're not causing you to grow or helping you grow, we are failing as pastors of this church. Now, we cannot force anyone to do anything, but we can be the catalyst and encourage you to do and accomplish all that God has called you to be. And called you to do. So, you know, when we, when we talk about this, our goal is across all ministries. It's focused on our children's ministries, our youth ministries, our young adults' ministries, our adults and our seniors. We don't want to just focus on one age group. In our church, we want to focus on every age group and, do, and focus on every age group well. So we have children's ministries. We have youth ministries. We have young adult ministries. We have all of these ministries involved. So those ministries are helped to be age group specific, but to help you thrive in the age that you are. Because we know if we start in the children's ministry, right? We invest in them, we teach them. Well, guess what happens when they go to youth ministry? It's going to set up our youth ministers for success also because they're already going to be trained and, and hopefully learning and growing. And then as they move to that, to that junior high age, then they're, getting, they're learning and they're growing. And then, and some of you know this year as you've graduated, then you get to real adult life. And that's where it's like, uh-oh, starting to work. I'm not going to school. I got the horizon before me of unlimited choices. What do I do? And we say, welcome to adulting, of figuring out what the next step is. But we have young adult ministries now that take that and just help navigate that, that awkward not knowing what do I do. Every decision up to this point in my life has really been made for me. Now what about college? What about relationship? What about work? What about all of these things? But the church, we're establishing these, these programs and these, these ministries within the church to really launch well, right? Some of you said, man, I wish I could go back and had all that. Like some of us, we didn't have that. But in the church, we want to make sure every single one of these systems, every single one of these ministries in the church promote maturity and growth. We don't want to, we don't want to be a church that when we says, hey, uh, when we say books of the Bible, people are like, what are you talking about books of the Bible? You know, hey, turn to this chapter. What are you talking about chapter? You know, we had that happen a while back and it just mind boggled us. And this was at a junior high age. So we had a good reality check. We're like, man, we got to like, I don't know if we need to do Bible trivia where we've dropped the ball. But, you know, so we started, all right, let's start with Genesis, Exodus. Let's go through the books of the Bible. Oh man, there's a lot of them. Yeah. And then, okay, this means chapter. This means, And we just, we work through growing. We, I'm learning we can't assume that people know things. We have to be intentional about teaching specific things. If we don't like the results we're getting, we need to change the process. We've got to understand that every system we have in place right now is getting the results that we're getting because of how it's built. So sometimes we have to go in and we have to change and we have to adjust. And we need to gauge how well we're doing. But as a church, we are very intentional about all of these areas of ministry, focusing on growth, focusing on maturity. 
you know, where we're focusing on, on, on that growing process so that in that going process, people succeed. Okay? So if you've ever been a part of a ministry team in any capacity, it is defined as W-O-R-K. It's work. It takes time. It takes an investment. Just, just, I think even, just think of it as, as even a parenting ministry, right? Just as a mom or as a dad, the amount of work that it takes to raise successful kids. I know sometimes you want to be just, just go away, leave me alone, and we want to be passive, right? We don't want to deal with things. But to lead and, to, and to, to grow and to mature and to parent well, it requires what? Work. I don't feel like it. Man, that's just, we got to get, we got to do better than that, right? So we know that it's always work. It always requires something of you. Okay? So, you know, you know, following the Lord, it's all about serving and surrendering to accomplish God's plan for the lost and dying world. So this morning, before we really dive into some scriptures and look at things, I just want to share a few more things with you. So hopefully we are all on the same page, okay? So we have to know first and foremost that the church is God's plan. There was never a plan B. There was never another option. It's not like he said, well, if the church doesn't work, maybe I'll try something else. The church was God's plan. It was, it was something that he built, that he, that he designed. You know, so God is going to use the church to lead our culture, and he never in- intended culture to define the church. Do you realize that? We're in a culture fight right now of so many opinions, so many thoughts, so many standards, and very few of them are found in this book. So we have to understand that as the church, we have to understand what is God's standard. We have to build a culture that is established on that standard, and we need to change the world. Not passively allow the world to change us. Okay? Jesus is going to come back for a victorious church, not, not a dying, just, I couldn't, we couldn't do anything, Lord. And we'll look at a few more scriptures in just a minute on that. So the church should look different than the world. You realize that when we look to our left, we look to our right, you know, not that we're not going through anything or we don't have problems or things we're working through, but the church should look different. Okay? So the church globally is a system that God is is going to use until his return to impact the world with the gospel and grow his people to be all that he has called them to be. So the church's responsibility has to be discipleship. You know, so here at our church, you know, we, we accomplish this through, through life groups and we accomplish this through ministry groups um, within our church. So life groups, this is one shift that we've actually started doing in the last three to six months. We started evaluating, asking the question, are we discipling people? And we said, well, we're fellowshipping, we're building community, there's some growth. But is there discipleship? Because when we talk about this commission, it says what? Make fellowship? Make friends, make relationship, make community. No, it says make disciples. So that was the measuring stick. Disciples, a follower of Christ, somebody who is becoming more and more like Christ. And we realized that we were failing at that. So we have revamped how we are doing life groups. Life groups are the number one platform in which we will build disciples. That's the, that's the only way. I cannot disciple you into full maturity just preaching to you on a Sunday morning. That is, a, that is part of the big picture. But where that one-on-one, that relationship, that where you can ask questions, where you can grow, where you know, we, can, we can walk through life and become mature and become disciples of Christ happens in life groups. So that's why we're spending so much time talking about life groups, having sign-ups for life groups. Um, there is never a bad time to join a life group. It just so happens starting this Monday, we start again. So first, there's some of you this morning that says, man, you know, I don't like to start something when it's already started. You better sign up today because it, it goes live tomorrow. But I also want to encourage you that if this week doesn't work good, but next week does, sign up for a life group, get plugged in, be a part of that family, that relationship, and be a disciple and grow to the full capacity of what God has designed for you to do. That's one of our most successful ways that we're, that we're growing disciples in this church. It's been good. It's been healthy. It's been exciting. It hasn't been a burden. It hasn't been a boring, and it has always been worth it every time we all show up and come together. And we all are growing, Okay. So the church is one of the greatest assets available to mankind and, and should be richly founded on God's authoritative written word. So this is, this is the first thing. The church's commission, we're going to look at three things today. So the church's commission is to be established on God. Anytime a pastor says, well, that's my church, ooh, be careful. 
because we need to keep that authority and that focus correct. We gotta say this is God's church. It's established on God as the rock. He is the number one authority of this church. Who am I to try to be (laughs) even anywhere near that level, right? No, I'm just the one that God has positioned in this church, but we have to understand that it is to be established on God, okay? So how do we, what tool do we use to make sure we do this? The Bible, the written word of God, okay? So just a few things to look at, you know, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. I'm sure you guys have heard this scripture, but if not, let me share this with you. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that's what it is, but here's what it does when it's applied. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's why, we, that's why we teach the word. That's why we preach the word. That's why we pull principles from the word because it has the ability for the, for the individual to be thoroughly equipped. You're like, well, Pastor Noe, what does thoroughly mean? Whatever you need to be equipped for. Thoroughly, in depth. It's not just a surface level. I think if we just talk about concepts and, and good ideas and self-help, but we never focus on the word of God, we're gonna be missing the greatest element that God has given us. The specific instructions from his word. Let's look at Matthew 16, 13 through 19. This is the NIV. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But how about you? He said, who do you say that I am? So Simon Peter says, you, you, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven, who is the rock. And I tell you that, that you, Peter, that on this rock, I will build my church. And this is, this is what the church is and will be. And the gates of Hades will never overcome it. Verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind or whatever you forbid, you know, if you want a different word, because binding and loosing can sometimes be a weird word. So whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you loose or whatever you permit um, on earth will also be permitted in heaven. So we, we see this authoritative authority given to mankind to where, hey, if you do it on earth, it's done in heaven. You know, it's, it's, if it's been accomplished in heaven, it's available to earth. We see where this, there's this heavenly authority given to mankind. You know, but he says, you know, my father in heaven, you know, he's talking about, you know, on this rock, I will build my church. Doesn't say on this pastor, on this worship team, under the right denomination that I will build my church. He says on this rock. So who was he talking to about, his, about the rock? Now, I know some of you, when I first say that, that the church should be built on God, who is the rock, so you say, well, he was talking about Jesus. Let me clarify a little bit more of the picture, okay? So the church has to be established on a secure foundation. So the rock, the rock was God originally, right? But God transferred that authority and that power to his son, Jesus, who is now head of the church. We have to understand all this authority had been given by God, who was the original foundation of everything. You know, because these scriptures are from New Testament, right? They're not in the Old Testament. You know, there was no, there was no understanding. But in the Old Testament, um, God was always referred to as the rock, okay? So he freely gives to us that same authority. So Jesus uses a parable. So a parable is an illustration or an example to explain the difference between building on the rock, which we know is a secure foundation, or building on the ground, which is a sandy, unsecure foundation, uh, in, in Luke 6, 46 through 49. So as the church, we really need to be people that don't just hear the word, but we need to do the word, right? We need to, we need to do what it says. We need to put into practice what he says. So let's look at this parable, Luke 6, 6 46 through 49. It says, when do, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show him who he is like. So when you do my words... You do what I say, this is what you're likened to. This is what you're like. He is like a man who is building a house who dug deep. You know, he didn't even just put it on the sand. He dug deep to a solid foundation. It says, and he laid the foundation, not just somewhere, but on the rock. He dug down to where there was a secure foundation. He moved all the sediment. He made sure whatever that foundation was built on was solid. Okay? And it says, you know, that and, and when the floods occurred in the torrent, which a torrent is referred to as a river. So I'm trying to give you some understanding of what this is. Like it's the word, I heard torrent, I was like, I think it's a torrent. 
It's a river. So when the river burst against the house, it could not shake it because it had been built. It had been well built. But verse 49, it says, but the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built his house on the ground without any foundation. And then the river burst against it and immediately it collapsed. And the ruin of that house was great. So Harvest Time is a church that is established and secured on the rock, who is Jesus, who is, who is God, who is the Holy Spirit, however, whatever helps you better understand that. But we are not building on the works of man, the abilities of man, but we're building this church on the rock, who is God. Because that's the only thing that will secure that it'll stand. You know, and I think of that concept, it says, man, if we build a church on anything else, it would be the equivalent of building on the on the ground and it just doesn't say that it was destroyed or messed up what did it say it says immediately it collapsed and the ruin of that house was what great i don't want to be that church you know like hey you were having a harvest time like i don't want that so we're going to establish that the house on god so you know in the jewish times you know the steeped in old testament you know the rock was always symbolized as god Okay, it says, you know, Deuteronomy 32, 4 says he was the rock. You know, he worked, his work is perfect. Uh, in Psalms 18, 2, it says the Lord is my rock and my fortress. Psalms 18, 31, it says, for who is God save the Lord or who is the rock save our God? So always, it all, the rock always represented God. You know, so when we say the word rock, the church is established on, on the rock, you know, and somebody says, well, what, what, you know, what denomination, what do you do? We're non-denominational. So that's always a little jazzy to explain to people anyway. If you don't know what non-denominational is, so are you Catholic? Are you Baptist? Man, we're a church that's established on the rock. Well, what's the rock mean? We're established on God is the simple answer to that. Okay. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. This passage says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets now with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the lord and in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which god lives by his spirit so that's the complete picture so the church church's mission is to be built and established on god Secondly, the church's commission is to grow disciples and mature followers of Christ. It's to grow disciples and, and, and build, you know, build mature followers of Christ. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to have a church, you know, like I'm, I'm talking spiritually, I'm not talking about babies. I love having a house full of babies, right? Love children and, and our church is, is thriving in, in this season of, of young children. But we do not want to have spiritual infants and babies throughout the congregation. If we do that, then we're just running a daycare. Think about it, you know, but it is good to have infants among us as long as there are those who are growing as disciples and as long as there are those also in the house that are mature that can help father and mother the infants. You have to understand, guys, the responsibility of growing and maturing, it's not just up to the pastor, it's up to all of us as a whole. There's so many scriptures that talking about the older ladies, you know, teach the younger ladies how to act, how to represent themselves, how to be holy. You know, same thing with men, you know, like teach them how to be men, teach them how to work with their hands. You know, let's, let's not allow us to, to breed a generation of complacent, lazy men. I don't think that that's what God is going to need for the future for us, the church to continue to thrive and be successful. You know, Samuel, just my son just cut my yard for me the first time in my backyard with the push mower. I came home, and the front wasn't cut. I went to the back and said, man, it looks good. I said, how come you didn't cut the front? He said, Dad, I couldn't find the key. Now, I don't know how long he looked for that key or how hard he looked for that key, but I think he was glad that gate was locked. I said, was it hard? He goes, yeah, Dad. It took me like, I think it took him like an hour. I said, oh, yeah, that'll work on him some point, I'll let him use the zero turn that's right next to the push mower that he was using. But it's also about teaching how to work and good work ethic. You know, there's some intentionalness to that. And he did way better. There was no mohawks this time. You guys know what that means? He'll hit it and be like, Dad, it looks good. So the first time, sorry, super rabbit trail. Let me get on this and I'll get off of it. 
you know, the first time he cut, you know, I sat there drinking lemonade on the front porch. I just had a small section he was doing. It was horrible. Sammy, if you hear this, I'm sorry, son, but it's a good lesson to learn. He thought it looked well, and I said, hey, come here. Let's walk over here, and let's look at it. So I said, you see right here? You, see, you cut in right here, but you left that pat, the big patch. He goes, oh, Dad, I didn't see that. And then he had a few mohawks, which means he cut one side, then he left a gap, and he cut the other side. And he's just like a mohawk. I said, you see that there? Yeah, Dad, I see that. So I, I didn't just say, hey, you messed up, go try again. But I showed him what he did wrong, so he had the opportunity to correct it. Well, I think there's times in our life that God does that for us. He doesn't just scold you and say, what are you doing? Get out there and try again. But he will specifically show you what you did wrong. And he'll show you how to fix it, and he'll show you how to modify it so that the next time you do it, guess what? You don't keep making the same mistakes. But you know what Samuel did this time? He said, Dad, did it look better? I said, yes, son, it looks great. And he was super excited because now he had done well what he had been taught and instructed to do, and he was now succeeding and growing and becoming a man. Same principles if we look spiritually. God is not going to just say, hey, you did that wrong and not explain what you did wrong. But then when we figure out what we're doing right and what is needed to grow and to mature, we'll be excited about it. And God will be excited about it when we do those things and we do those things well. So that was a good rabbit trail. Let's keep moving on. All right. So, you know, growing disciples, being uh, mature followers of Christ. So, you know, the, the church's mandate, you know, is a mandate for the church to make disciples. It says baptizing unto salvation and teaching them all things that Jesus had said. That was what the commission, you know, required. Those three things. It talked about, you know, making, making disciples, baptizing, you know, teaching them all things that Jesus had said. So that's a big part of what Sunday morning is about. We're teaching what the Bible says. We're applying how to apply that in our lives in what Jesus has asked us to do, right? Okay, so, you know, the, the commission would almost seem impossible. But at the end of that commission, Jesus reminds us of something. He says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So he is not only with us, but empowers us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And he indwells all those who believe in order to, to, to allow us to become and fulfill the great commission. Okay, Acts 1.8 in the NIV, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria. And this is, look at the words he uses here. And to the ends of the earth. What did he say at the end of that commission? Till the end of the earth. So we have to realize that empowered by the Holy Spirit, that's what Jesus was talking about. He says, I will be with you always. The moment I leave, I'm not leaving you, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be with you and in you and cause you to be all that I've called you to be. He never leaves us. The moment we think we're alone or we can't do it, we have to realize that as, as, as a son and daughter of the king, the Holy Spirit resides right inside of us. We can ask for help. We can ask for guidance. We can, we can get him to, to cooperate in causing us and causing us to be all that he's called us to be. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. It says, do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have received from God. So the Holy Spirit was given by God. God gives a whole lot of good gifts, guys. We just got to make sure that we receive all those gifts. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to help you grow and mature, but he's also established positions in the church. Did you hear that? I know some people say, I don't need the church. I can grow from home. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. But he has positioned people within the church to help you grow. You realize, let's go back. What did I say initially? The church was whose plan? It was God's plan. Somebody says, oh, I can watch it on TV. Man, I have talked to so many people. It says, man, be watching it online versus being in person, it is nowhere the same. There's just something that's missing. And there's that community, there's that relationship that God has. So let's look at Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. In the NIV, it says, so Christ gave himself... Uh, Christ himself, I'm sorry, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastor, and the teacher. Why? Okay, it's going to answer the question. To equip his people for the works of service. So these, these offices within the church are built and established. Why? To equip the people for the works of service so that the body of Christ might be built, uh, built up. Verse 13. 
until we all reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and what? Become mature, attaining the whole measure, not just a partial, but the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then once this happens, once these offices are set in and this growth process is happening, this is what happens. It says in verse 14, then we will no longer be infants. Thank God, right? We don't want to be babies forever. But it tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Verse 15, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. For him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So, so to be all that God has called us to be, we really need each other. So we're going we're gonna to look at these. And I don't know how many of you are familiar with the, what a lot of people call this. They call it the fivefold ministry. Those are the five offices within the church that God has positioned by his authority to grow, to be everything that the church needs. So let, we're going to look real quick, and I'm going to give you a, a brief understanding of what these offices are, what they do. Just so you're aware of it, when you hear the word, you're not like, well, what in the world's an apostle? What in the world's a prophet? So let's look at apostle first. Okay, so an apostle, you know, gives a foundation to the church. He, he, they, they preach and move in signs, wonders, and miracles. And we have to realize often they are fathers of the faith. A church cannot f- survive without fathers in the faith in the local church. We will be orphaned. We won't know what to do. We won't have that wisdom. We won't have that counsel. We won't have that, that guidance. So for all of the seniors or approaching the senior age, God still has so much for you in the life of the church. When you remove yourself from that equation, you really allow us just to guess and try to figure it out. But God is positioning in the house apostles. We need apostles. You know, and you know, we, we see all this, the disciples, they function in this apostle, apostle caliber, right? Signs, wonders, miracles. But I think that's one thing we can always look at. They're always, most often, they're going to have that balance. They're going to have that foundation. But they're going to be fathers in the faith. Let's look at the prophet, okay? How many of you are familiar with these five? Or some, who, okay, who has never heard of these five or paid attention to them? Okay, so most of you have heard of them, right? So the prophet, it tells and foretells uh, preachers of the gospel, but also revealers of God's will. So speak, they speak to, for God to the people. They speak the mind of God for the present, giving the church the direction God wants them to go in. So these are like the compasses. These are the ones that say, hey, this is what the Lord is speaking in this season. This is what's happening. This is what we're to do. You know, we need this. I mean, this really re- removes the, the blinders of just saying, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the voice of the Lord is saying. I don't know what God is saying. You know, we need prophets being released in the house and function in their full capacity. Okay? All right, so, so thirdly, the evangelist. How many of you know what an evangelist is? Anytime an evangelist comes to town, they're going to get stuff riled up, right? Going to get you excited. You're going to be hopping out of your chairs. Oh, man, it's so good. You know, they just get you excited about the things of God. So we have to understand that an evangelist is a proclaimer of the good news. You know, they have a passion for souls and a soul-winning ministry, whether it's one or one million. So he will have a compelling ministry to bring sinners to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. See, that's why he's like, that's why they're always like, all right, come to the altar. You need to be saved. Man, ain't nobody leaving this house till you become saved. Lock the doors, pastor, man. We're going to make sure, right, you know, this excitement. And if you've never had a chance to be around an evangelist, it's so exciting. You're just, everybody's pumped up. Why are you pumped? I don't even know why. But it's that gift of that evangelist functioning in the life of the church. So we need to be rallied. We need to be encouraged, you know. So you see, you know, the focus on the souls is just as important as the maturing, right? All of these things, okay? So the pastor, which I think the pastor, teacher, we see those often in the life of the church, right? So the pastor's primary ministry is to take care of the flock. They tend, they protect, they feed, and they nurture, preparing the bride of Christ for the coming groom. Now that job description, guys, is way more broad than that. That's just the biblical one I can tell you firsthand as a pastor of a church. But that, is, that, that, that has to be my focus to some degree. Now, I hope most of my focus is towards people and not just the process of ministry because I think that's when we will become the most successful, okay? So the teacher, 
I know we got some teachers in the house. So a teacher brings a balance to the body of Christ. He has a heart to study, dissect, and present the Word of God in a simple, understood way. He loves the Word of God and, and receives deeper revelation of God's Word to teach and mature the body. Now, there are some teachers that are so good, they confuse the heck out of me. They're, such, they're so going so deep, and they're taking it in the Greek, they're taking the Hebrew, and they break it down and break it down and break it down so much, I forget what scripture we were talking about. But man, it's just a desire. Now, now, all of us are not built that way. We're like, man, I'm just trying to read what it says and what it means. I do not have any desire to understand like way three layers deeper what it means. But we need teachers in the house, guys. So when we look at these five-fold ministry, these five things, these are the things that God uses. What does it say? It says that he, he's, a, he's positioned these to equip the, his people for the work of service. So for the, for the church's commission to be to grow disciples and mature followers of Christ, we need every office functioning within the church of Christ. All of them. Well, pastor, ain't you supposed to do all of them? There's five on that list. It didn't say pastor slash apostle slash prophet. When it, when it gives you a list like that, and these are all separate offices. Not saying that you can't function in one of the two or, or maybe even two of the three, but I believe by God's design, he separates these offices, he positions these offices, and it causes, to th causes the church to thrive when we release these offices. Amen? All right. So number three, the church's commission is to be geared towards the believer with the lost in mind. Prayed about that a long time. I said, God, what is, what is, the, what is the balance between that? Because I've seen churches that are 100% focused on the believer. And let's say, you know, that, that there was somebody here this morning that didn't have a relationship with the Lord. Just said, man, Pastor Noe, all that stuff was good, but I have no clue what you're talking about. I don't even know this man, Jesus, Jesus Christ. And there was no focus on the lost. And I think we're missing a big part of the puzzle, right? But let's say we just focused on the lost. And God willing, at least 80% of the people in the room are saved. So all your only response would be every Sunday you come back and receive salvation again. I mean, what do, what do you do if you keep regurgitating? All right, you know, the cross, the blood. All right, he wants to forgive you. And you got to have a balance of both. So really, I believe that the church's commission is to be geared towards the believer with the lost in mind. So the challenge for most churches in this is deciding, is the church for the believer or is the church for the lost? And, and as pastors, you can sit here and debate these things all day long. You know, there's a seeker-friendly approach, which, you know, all power to them, but their main focus is reaching the unchurched. And they're doing a great job, but what we see in this approach is there's a lack of maturity. So then let's flip the coin, right? You know, let's, let's say we're going to be a church that's not just seeker or not just not, you know, not wanting to offend, wanting to make everything like really low key as far as how we communicate it. But let's go to this other side where we're driven towards maturity and growth and growing in the things of the Lord. Well, they're really good at maturing people, but you're not seeing the lost come. You're not seeing a church that, 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 is, that has the lost in mind. You have, you have a church that is just bent towards the believer, and that's it. If you don't meet the box of, of being a believer, you, you, it's, the church isn't going to be beneficial to you. So I started praying about this. I said, Lord, so what do we do? You know, so statistically, churches are usually better at one or the other. Seems like some churches have a difficult time balancing both. So what's the answer? You have to build a church that's geared towards, geared towards the believer with the lost in mind. So you, you cause a benefit for both. And that's what we're striving to do here at Harvest Time. We want it to be good for, you know, we want you to be challenged and growing. You're like, man, that's some good stuff. I'm going to go home and study that. And, you know, we're challenging you to grow, but also that everything we do, excuse me, is also relevant for the person maybe that is just this close from coming into a life-changing relationship with Christ. Amen? So one of the most intentional things that we can strive to accomplish in our church is creating a culture of community that promotes growth. Okay? So we do this in our, in our preaching, the uncompromising Word of God. So there's going to be things that we preach that you might not agree with, but if you don't agree with them, you're not fighting with me. You're fighting with God. It's God's standard. The church is built on God. If you don't like it, I'm sorry, I can't, I mean, well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rip a page out of my Bible just to accommodate what you are comfortable with. 
because we have to understand that way of thinking, what I'm comfortable with, comes from a culture from the world rather than a culture from the church. The church is always going to lean back towards, man, we've gotten so far. Well, how did we get here? We don't know. Well, what does God's Bible say about it? And we get back to the basics of what his word says. And we allow that to reestablish our thinking, our processes, everything we do. Okay? So we, that's, that's how we really uh, create a culture uh, of community that is promoting growth. So one of the uh, intentional things that uh, we also do, you know, we want to give you relevant and practical messages that will help you in your life uh, have the best life possible in your walk with Christ. So sometimes there is going to be some practical things. You know, I, mean, I think sometimes, you know, we, we don't want to come to church or we're tired or whatever. And, and it's just because we had too much weekend and we weren't strict enough on our weekend. And therefore, we didn't come to church. And, well, you know, and if I did call you, I probably wouldn't like right away. But like, you know, if I called you and said, hey, man, notice you weren't here today. What was you OK? Everything good? Well, pastor, we had a great time yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah, really? Well, what time did you go to sleep? Well, I really didn't. Oh, so you had a really good time. And then you didn't come to church. All right. We love you, brother. Don't do that again next weekend. Right? Sometimes, you know, just our priorities are out of line, different things like that. So, you know, we want, we want to give you practical help sometimes. And sometimes it's just like, hey, don't be so busy. Rest a little bit on the weekend so that you can receive everything that God has for you at church. Make it a priority. Make it a part of what you do. You know, so our corporate gatherings is for glorifying God. Like, we got to realize this. Our main purpose for coming together is to glorify God. You're like, well, you're preaching right now for me, but hey, I pray everything I, I say glorifies God. I mean, yeah, it's for you, but ultimately, man, my gift and what I'm doing and what I'm using this morning, I pray it glorifies God. When we worship, great set list, by the way, this morning. But when we worship, it's not about the set list. It's not about the song selection. It's about glorifying God in all we do. You're like, well, what if I don't like that song? It's okay. It's not about you anyway. You listen to whatever song on the radio when you leave. But when we come together corporately, it's to glorify God with one voice, with one song, with one heart. And that's what church life is all about. It's that community. It's that relationship. The focus is God. Okay? So we have to realize that. Psalms 22, 3 in the New Living Translation, it says, yet you are wholly enthroned on the praises of Israel. So that word enthroned actually means to sit, to remain, and to dwell. On what? The praises, the songs, the praise of his people. So Israel, that's us. So when we declare the praises of the Lord, what does it say that he does? He says that you are holy and you come and you enthrone yourself. That means he sits, he remains, and he dwells among us. So when we glorify God, when we focus on God, you know, worshiping him, praising him, you know, with one heart, with one mind, with, you know, you know, with one voice, he comes and he shows up. I'll tell you what, when the Lord shows up, you're going to grow or you're going to change or you're going to run out of the building, one of the two. But there is no one who can come in an encounter with the living God and not be changed. But when our focus is on him and not ourselves, we see great things happen. So to benefit from the corporate gathering, you have to be here. Streaming service is just not the same. Like I said, I've heard this from so many people. I want to encourage you today, you know, uh, and if, if you know somebody or, you know, even somebody watching this morning, you know, is considering coming back, but you just maybe haven't made that step yet, uh, uh, man, you just got to do it. You know, I don't, and I've said this, I don't care if you wear a mask, I don't care if you wear a scuba suit, whatever you feel comfortable with, you got to come back. You know, we cannot allow, you know, God's plan of the church prevailing to be substituted for the church isolated. You realize that? It's never about all the church people. I mean, now, you know, we, we kind of put a spin on it and say, oh, the church has left the building and the church is about people. Yeah, church is about people, but church is still about the corporate gathering. Since every day they met together in the temple courts with one another. One had a song, one had a hymn. There was this beautiful thing that was happening amongst the people gathering together. So prayerfully consider coming back. We want you here and God wants you here. You got to know that. It's not just a pastor thing, it's a God thing, okay? 
Um, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Sorry I'm throwing so many scriptures at you, but I feel like we really need to look at these. So this was talking to, to the brothers, the sisters. So Paul was talking to the church. This is what he said in verse 23 of chapter, Hebrews chapter 10. He said, Let us hold unswaveringly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up, meeting together, as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, um, this spurring along, this encouraging one another, you know, it's just kind of that little, I call it that love tap of, of motivation to just keep us going, keep us moving. If somebody falls, man, help them up. Say, hey, come on, dust it off. Let's keep going. You know, I always laugh at this scripture. It says, you know, you know, keep meeting together, not because, but some of you are in a habit of not doing so. Even in the Bible days, they still had issues with people withdrawing from the, the local gathering, the people of God. It's nothing new. But I think God knew that when there's that unity, there's a, that gatheredness, there's that community within the church, we see great things. So it's important uh, to the life of the church for people to show up. You know, think, think about, you know, how exciting it would be if everybody on the same day decided not to show up. There's like four of us who'd be like, man, what? Did Jesus come back and did I get left? What happened, right? You know, what, what would you think? You know, if four of us showed up, I mean, you cannot have this kind of excitement and just, you know, you know, if I just had one worship guy with a scratch board, let's make it as a little different this morning, right? You know, just think about it. Like, say the preacher didn't show up. If, you know, man, if, if people don't show up, it's not the same. You guys are what makes it great. You are what makes it when, you know, we come together and gather and sing his praises, that that is the, the equation where God shows up to in a corporate way, in a corporate magnitude. So when God's people are in the room, that's what makes it the church. So when we have a true love for God and one another, it, it will cause the unbeliever to want to have what we have. You know, Scripture says, you know, we will be known by our love for one another. You know, it would cause this contagious Christianity. Uh, you know, so hopefully, you know, leading the lost person to ask the question saying, you know, there's just something different here. What is different? And we can say, man, it's Christ in us. It's nothing I've done. And we get that opportunity to lead them into the family of God. So that's what I'm talking about, having that variable that, man, yeah, we're going to preach hard. We're going to preach the word. Sometimes it's going to be confrontational. Sometimes you're going to be like, Lord, help me. I don't know if I can do that. But there's going to be that other side of this relationship, of this family, of this community, you know, that, that focuses on the believer but has the lost in mind all the time. That if I see a new person walk through the door, it's not just to boost our numbers or to retain them in our church, but we are driven of saying, man, do they have a relationship with God or not? Lord, help them not leave until they've experienced you. Lord, help people as they come to our church leave transformed by the power of God. You know, it's creating this, 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 the church that God really wanted and not something we've built in lieu of what God has designed to build in the church. We gotta love God, we gotta love people. Romans 10, 17 in the NSAB, New American Standard says, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. So it is hearing God's word that produces faith and when faith is in the room, you know, we want to give the lost a chance to put their trust or their faith in Jesus. Because when God shows up, it causes us to change. So the three things of the church's commission, first and foremost, is to be established on God. Secondly, is to grow disciples and mature followers of Christ. And then thirdly, is to be geared towards the believer with the lost in mind. I want us to reflect in closing back to that original scripture. It says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Hebrews 10, 38 and 39. It says, but my righteous ones will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the ones who shrink back. But listen to verse 39. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed but to those who have faith and are saved. You guys stand up with us this morning. So the church has a commission. And to the best of my ability, under my authority in this house, in this church, we will be a church that focuses on fulfilling the church's commission. With all that we are, with all that we can, 
I want to encourage each of you just to press in and partner with the church. Church is God's plan. Take these scriptures and apply them. Think about these things and meditate on these things. You don't understand something. Ask somebody, say, hey, man, you know, the other day, Pastor Noe said this, and, you know, man, that was challenging for me, or, man, I've never heard it that way, or it's never spoke to me in that way. What do I do with that? You know, and, and we grow together, you know. I can't sit here and open up the conversation and say, all right, let's ask, what, what questions do you have? What's going on? But in life groups, we have an opportunity to take it a little bit deeper, to, 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 to focus it a little bit more strategically on you growing and becoming a disciple. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. Father, I pray that we would be a church that's established and founded on you above everything else. Lord God, that we would be a church that grows disciples and helps people grow into maturity. And Father, also that we would be geared towards the lost and the believer. Father, I pray that you would help us do well in excelling in both. Father, that we would be all that you've called us to be. Father, I pray that as, as leaders in this church, that you would help us to just be strategic and influential to, to helping your people grow. Show us how to lead well, to communicate well, and do all that you ask us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the church has a commission. We're going to do our part. But you got to do your part. So next week, we're going to look at the, uh, the personal mission. What does your specific commission look like? So you may have felt this morning, it's like, well, I'm kind of off the hook. That's all Pastor Noe and the leadership and the church's responsibility. But I know that if we fail you as a church, you will fail. But if we succeed and we set you up for success, now we're in that next phase of this, looking at the commission of what does it look like for you personally? Because we established the, the, the commission from the church side, which is the local side. And then we're going to focus on you fulfilling that personal side of the commission. And then as we grow and we mature, I believe that we will be launched from this place all over the face of the earth to do all that God has called us to do. Networking, building relationships that will be more outward focused than inward focused in Jesus' name. That's my heart, and that's what I believe God is leading us to in this church. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.